You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because there is a more freeing way to be fit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. I'm your host, Stephanie, and oh boy, do we have a good episode (laughs) this week. Um, I interviewed my friend, Jen Hudak, and we talk about all of the things. But before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to talk about a couple of things um, about an experience I had this previous weekend. And I had to go shopping for a bridesmaid's dress. And typically in the past when I was struggling a lot with my body image issues and really obsessing over my weight and what that meant, I would go shopping and try on a bunch of different dresses or what have you. And if that specific item did not fit me, I started beating myself up about, you know, you're too fat. You need to lose weight. You need to do this. And it was all about fitting into this piece of clothing and what it meant if I didn't or did fit into it. And it would really like ruin my whole shopping experience because I was placing my worth in whether or not I fit all the clothes that I had tried on. And if I had to go up a size or if I didn't fit into a specific size, it was all just really based on this, like, it was all based on, you know, my weight and what I looked like. And this past weekend, I, you know, I was trying on a bunch of stuff and found a dress and went home and I was kind of reflecting on the experience and realized that I didn't do that this time. Um, I actually, when something didn't fit, I was just like, oh, okay, well, this style doesn't look good or like, I don't like the way this style just doesn't work for me right now. And, um, oh, okay, well, I guess I just have to go up a size here. And, you know, it was just, it is what it is. And there was no worth placed in whether or not a certain piece of clothing fit me. And in the end, I found a great dress that I absolutely love, um, and came home and typically in the past, if I had realized that something didn't fit right, I would start planning my diet and my exercise and I would go home and I would not eat. And, you know, it was this whole thing. And this time, you know, (laughs) Eric and I decided to go out to dinner and, um, it was still pretty early in the day, but we had, we'd been walking all day, like speed walking all day. (laughs) And I was sitting down. I'm like, okay, that is perfect exercise for me this, this day, you know? (laughs) And, I don't know. It was just a really freeing experience to not be placing all of my worth and whether or not a certain piece of clothing fit me. And maybe that could be, I know like summer's coming up and we start getting nervous about bathing suits and all this kind of stuff. But maybe this time try seeing what it feels like to just be like, oh, well, this one doesn't fit. We'll just try something else instead of placing all of your worth and whether or not Um, or placing all of your worth in whether or not the clothes fit and um, making that like 
I don't know, start going down the rabbit hole of like what you need to do to fix it. Instead, just grab another piece of clothing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I just wanted to share that because it was just a much more fun way to shop. (laughs) And yeah, try it. See what you think. And now (laughs) we will dive into the meat of this week's episode. So um, I interviewed Jen and we met through work. We'll talk a little bit about our story there, but um, we've really connected over our endeavor of creating our own businesses and being in this space of personal development. And so it was funny. We were just like, what do you want to talk about? And um, kind of picked a a few different things, but we were just like, oh, this is just going to be like recording one of our normal conversations. (laughs) Um, And we dig into some good stuff. Like I was re-listening to this episode last week and was like, oh my gosh. I was like writing down all of the quotes and everything. So um it's funny. We talk about a lot of stuff, but I think it comes back full circle. We dig into, you know, your why and making that like, like remembering that in everything we do and, 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 um, just really discovering like, like what that is for us and what that means to us. We talk about our inner critic and how she plays a role and how, as I think type A people, we've used our inner critic to get us to places of success. But we also talk about like, how can we not use our inner critic to motivate us and what tools can we use instead? Um, We talk about our universe's plan for us. And um, I mean, so many things. (laughs) And it's just really good. So let me tell you a little bit about Jen before we dive in. Jen Hudak is a two-time X Games gold medalist and a two-time world champion halfpipe skier. In late 2015, she announced her retirement from the sport after a series of injuries and her father's death led her to reevaluate her life's priorities. Jen landed herself a desk job six months later and prepared to earn a living in a more traditional way, but it never felt right. Over the next three years, she would do a lot of soul-searching, reflecting, and persisting. In late 2017, Jen unexpectedly had another dream realized, a chance to compete on The Amazing Race. This, it was this adventure that reconnected her to her purpose of inspiring others to follow their hearts, push past self-limiting beliefs, and live an extraordinary life. Jen and her teammate went on to earn the highest average finish finish of any female team in the show's history. They also became the only team, male, female, or co-ed, to never finish below third place from start to finish in all 30 seasons. Jen left the race feeling re-energized and motivated to launch her personal development and wellness coaching business, Balanced Pursuits, where she helps multi-passionate women get clear on their second act, identify blocks that are keeping them stuck, and teaches women to look fear in the face and take action despite of it. This is a good episode, folks. I hope you enjoy it. And here is my interview with Jen. Jen! Woo! (laughs) Yay. I'm so excited you're here. Me too. (laughs) I feel like, well, so for all of you that don't know, Jen has sort of been along in this whole process of me starting the podcast. So I feel like it's about time that I have her on as a guest. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) And I feel like our Thursday conversations are typically 
of a podcast nature anyway. So. I, was gonna, I was gonna say that I was like, this is just gonna be us recording like a uh, conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. I always start with having you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your. Uh, I like to say your story, but that's a heavy loaded <laughs> question. But kind of just how you've gotten to where you're at today, and we'll kind of go from there. Very loaded question because <laughs> Jen has a lot to talk about. A lot of pieces in there. Yeah. Um, I guess most notably, I was a pro skier for 13 years. Um, I grew up skiing from the age of three, so skiing has always been a huge part of my life. And I've always liked to compete at things. So, oh, really? Naturally, by the time I was about 11, I started competing in skiing, um, first in moguls, and then eventually found my way into the half pipe. And that's really where my career took off. Um, it was an emerging sport when I got involved in it, and I was able to help it grow. Um, and along the way, won a lot of stuff, got hurt a lot, (laughs) had a lot of disappointments and a few, um, failed dreams. I don't even like using the word failed, but a few things I had set my sights on that didn't end up being a part of my story in the way that I originally thought. Mm. Um, and about three years ago, I made the decision that I was going to retire from the sport. So my, my last competition in half pipe was February of 2015. Um, and right around that same time, my, my dad was dying. Um, he had been fighting a battle with leukemia for the previous four and a half years. And so it was a really interesting, um, time in my life, like watching his life, his earthly life, leave and transition into whatever is beyond here. Um, and it was extremely, an extremely profound experience for me and, and totally changed my perspective on, um, living and really cemented in my mind that it was time to move on from skiing. And I had no idea where I was going to go or what I was going to do, but I just knew that I was no longer being called by that sport to become a better version of myself every day. And for a long time I was every day I woke up with the goal to be better than I was the day before. And through my skiing, um, was able to bring about those changes. And suddenly that inspiration was no longer a part of it, which then just left me doing something that's really dangerous. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the risk at that point just far outweighed the reward. So yeah, yeah, so I took the leap, ripped the Band-Aid off, and retired, um, and then ended up at Avant Link, which uh, is where Steph and I work. Yes. It's our nine-to-five daily grind. We're trying to make it less of a grind. Um, but it's funny because, yeah, the the universe has plans for you that we don't always see, and then they bring you somewhere really special and bring people into your life that you wouldn't have otherwise met. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how life does that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of transitions into what uh, we were we were talking about what we wanted to talk about today. We're like, let's just see where the universe takes <laughs> us, which is kind of the topic of yeah. what I want to dig into because I think it's interesting how you said 
I woke up and I no longer had that drive to be better than the person I was yesterday. And I think a lot of us find ourselves in that position, but we don't know really how to handle that, or we don't really know what to do with it or like, well, what is our next step? And we kind of stay in that path because it's comfortable. You know, for you, you said it was a dangerous thing. So it probably made sense to move on to something else, but how did you identify that? Like, and then what did you do with it to be able to kind of go with the flow? Well, it was, first of all, it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in hindsight, I can kind of see some of the things that I did that worked and made sense. And I guess what I could say to people is because people are always looking for the answer. They're looking for someone, something, some force to tell them what to do next. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that you're not ever going to have that concrete answer. More often that answer comes in the form of these gentle nudges that make you feel uncomfortable where you are. Mm. And I think that it's a process of like listening to those gentle nudges and then saying, okay, what change could I make to eliminate that discomfort? And oftentimes you're replacing that discomfort with another discomfort because letting go of something that you know is really uncomfortable. Yeah. And skiing while it was dangerous it was still paying me. If I had decided to continue being a half pipe skier, I would have been able to get paid to keep doing that Mm -hmm. and have this amazing flexible lifestyle where I get to travel the world and hang out and write my blog and structure my day however I want it. But it just, it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So I I mean, to be perfectly honest, that was probably three years of that before I was finally like, okay, like now is the, now is the time I I let myself go through that first, um, Olympic cycle in Sochi in 2014. It was the first time our sport had been in the Olympics. And that was something that I had advocated for my entire career. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't quit without really trying to become an Olympian, but there was always this part of me. I could just feel it. That was just holding back. That was just like, "Mm, not fully, I'm not fully into this. Hmm. And I tried every technique under the sun, you know, to like manage my body, um, to heal faster than normal people can heal, which I did some freaky stuff. Like I got my body to come back from injuries at times when it was like, I would go, I would tweak my knee and not be able to walk and four days later somehow be able to ski and compete. But it was like manipulating something that wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that led me to tearing my ACL right in that first Olympic qualifying event um, before the Sochi Olympics. And it was like, yeah, because you're not supposed to be doing this anymore. (laughs) Like the universe is trying to let you know this without really injuring you. (laughs) But sometimes that's the only option. Um, So, yeah, my advice is to start listening to the nudges and... We were also talking about this earlier. You don't have to make these crazy Mm. leaps all at once. You don't have to flip everything upside down, but you can start making these tiny little tweaks um, and then just paying attention. And sometimes, okay, for example, my first job before I was at Avant Link, I drove a golf cart selling beer on a freaking golf course. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of was sort of working for my husband. Like we ended up, he was managing a restaurant at the canyons and I was working at this golf course and it was, 
in some ways it was actually great. Like I enjoyed being out in the sun and like talking to people and, um, but I just needed to make money. Yeah. And I knew like, okay, I'm probably not going to drive golf carts for the rest of my life, but I need to find some way to start generating some income and give me a little bit of room to be where I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, actually that same job kind of led me toward Avant Link. Um, so we just, you don't have to see the full staircase before you take the first step. Mm. And we always want to see the full staircase, but even when we think we can see the full staircase, like that's probably not where you're going. It's probably going to shift and turn. And there's some twist in there that you don't see that will reveal itself. Absolutely. And I think too, you also talked about, I was like creeping on your old blog post. (laughs) There's a lot. I know, but it's good. (laughs) And you talked about like writing your own storyline and how Mm. like in life, no matter how hard we try to write that storyline and no matter how hard we try to see the whole staircase, it's just, it is just impossible to be able to do that and have it go exactly to plan. Yeah. And I think that sometimes stops a lot of people, but maybe we could talk about expectations and how we kind of write those ourselves and why they're not true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, it's actually really funny because I'm going through this whole rebrand of my website right now. And so one of my assignments was go through your old blog posts and see what general themes kind of pop up. Um, and that storylining one or expectations is another just easy way to put it. Yeah. Um, we have a tendency to script our future. And I think a lot of people are like, well, what's wrong with goal setting? And it's like, no, no, not like just saying this is where I'm heading. This is like, I mean, laying the foundation, like putting it all out there and expecting that when X happens, Y will happen. And then you're going to feel this way. And then you're going to meet this person and your life is going to change forever. And you're going to feel totally different. And it's like all these elements that are absolutely completely out of our control. Yeah. Um, and so you start living, you're like going through all this stuff. And then all of a sudden your reality isn't matching up with what you laid out in this scripted story version of your life. And you end up feeling just like completely conflicted Mm -hmm. and not only conflicted, but really unhappy. And it leads us to not being able to be happy where we are, even if things in our life are good because we didn't get what we wanted or what we thought we were after. And I think sometimes when we set those goals for ourselves, it's like, we don't actually get to the underlying reason of why we want what we're chasing. Yeah. Um, and so you can set yourself on this path toward this tangible thing. You know, I want to be an Olympian. I want to win an Olympic gold medal. It's like how many athletes in an Olympic year are saying, I want to win an Olympic gold medal a lot. Mm-hmm. Only one of them is going to actually do it. That's insane. Yeah. And people still show up trying to do that. So that alone should tell you there's value in setting those ambitious goals. But if you're not able to enjoy the whole process and like, and be okay where you are along the path of attempting to get there, then you're missing the whole entire point. Yeah. I, so I had this similar realization when I did my bike and build trip. I realized so much of my life was living from point A to point B, point A to point B. And there was this sense of like, 
these expectations that I was setting, but didn't exactly know why I was setting them. And then I was rushing to get there. And then you completely miss the whole purpose of the journey, right? Where you might be revealed some other opportunities that might take you in a different direction. And if you're not clear on the why, right? Like you might miss out on something amazing. Cause the why can exist in us in many different, um, through many different mediums. Yeah. For a while, skiing was my vehicle to live my why. But my why and my purpose hasn't actually changed in that entire time. It's just the way that I'm bringing that out into the world and presenting it has shifted. Hmm. Hmm. I want to dig into that a little bit more. (laughs) I think when I, because I talk about a lot of the why in a lot of my work, it's like, why do you like to work out? Why or why are you eating that food? Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't think a lot of people understand like, well, what, what, what's, you know, I'm just doing it. Like, yeah. Why is it important to know your why? <laughs> well, it's important to know our why. I mean, it ties back to what we were just talking about, but that's, what's going to help you enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Because if you wake up just focusing on that end goal, um, we'll use the Olympics again as this example. Um, to win an Olympic gold medal and you're just focusing on all the grunt and grind to get there. Um, you're, and you're not taking the time to celebrate your successes in between. So my why, um, well, it's kind of multifaceted, but it's to inspire others to live life not without fear, but to be able to walk with fear toward their dreams. So whatever their goal and desire is in life. When I was skiing, I was a visible example of that. Mm. And people were inspired by watching me ski and were like, oh, you can do this thing that people thought that we thought wasn't possible. And she's doing it and she's an example of it. But I still have that purpose. I still want to help people live life despite fear and, and strive toward, toward reaching their goals, whatever those goals may be. And now it's coming more through my voice and through speaking and through sharing my experiences in skiing. And then in other areas of, of my life in dealing with grief and dealing when your life is just a completely not at all where you thought it was going to be. And you're picking up the pieces and starting over again and trying to figure out who the fuck you are and what value you have to provide the world. And all of that is all within us and we are all inherently valuable. And I think we just like look at these external things as if they have to define all of that. But the process of working toward being an Olympian, um, wasn't about, it was never about actually being that Olympian. It was striving toward it. Mm. And that's the why, right? Like that's where the beautiful things come out. That's where the connection happens. Um, and so in your daily life, it's just like, there's a lot of things that you're going to do that if you're disconnected from your purpose are not going to be enjoyable, but when you can actually reframe it and see how those connect toward your greater purpose for being on this earth and your reason for being, then it makes them more tolerable and it makes them an occasion to celebrate. 
Yeah. Like even our job right now, which is not necessarily either of our calling. It's not our purpose in life, (laughs) but I've, I've been really catching myself with this lately because, um, because I want to just quit. <laughs> oh, shoot. Don't let anyone from Avant Link listen to this. Not because it's a bad place to work, but because of what we're talking about. Like, this is, I know that there's something else that I am meant to be doing. Um, and so I'm going to start doing it now. But I also have to look at Avant Link. Like, it is serving me in the way that it is supporting me and my husband financially to pursue these these other endeavors. Mm-hmm. He's my husband's also an entrepreneur. And right now, Avon links the bread and butter. Yes. And it's like <laughs> keeping the roof over our head. Um, and Avon link could be a really frustrating place because it, the work itself isn't necessarily something we're passionate about. But when I can bring my why into it, which is supporting people and realizing their goals and dreams, then my clients at Avant Link, I just start focusing on them. Yep. How can I make their life better by being here? And when I can tie that in, then suddenly my nine to five isn't like pounding your head against the wall or staring into space and like wasting the day away, which I do occasionally do, (laughs) but I'm trying to like reel it in. So, well, I think that's so important because, you know, like someone like me too, I have student loans and I have these bills that I need to pay. And, you know, you hear people who are like, well, just, just live out your dream and go for it. And you're like, but I kind of have to be practical in the same sense. Right. And so if we can start taking our day to day. And if there's like, obviously there's a difference between looking at your day to day and finding things that you're like, that are not serving you and you can get rid of now versus this thing is still really important to my overall, overall well-being. Sure. It doesn't make me happy, but how can I reframe my mindset so that it does, I don't have to be a freaking miserable person right? every time I engage in this thing so that I can eventually reach where I want to be. Yeah. And so mindset yeah. Is huge in yeah. living this life yeah. and being happy. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go somewhere that's like, okay, this is just going to be fun. Yeah. Do okay. it. All right. <laughs> so I'm ready. This is like one of my favorite imponderables because, um, and I think I first kind of came upon this when like after, like in the middle of a mushroom trip when I was like 19 <laughs> back when that was a thing. Um, and okay. So We see our whole reality in terms of like, um, confinement. Like I'm looking at your computer and your computer has a very specific shape that it's restricted to. And it's sitting on top of this table and this table is sitting on top of the floor in your apartment. I'm sitting on a chair. We all have our own like form and we're all kind of contained within something. But if I were to ask you, Like where you actually are right now in terms of the whole entire universe. Like if we, if we start expanding outward, like we're in Steph's apartment in park city and park city is in Utah and Utah is in North America and North America is a continent on the planet earth and earth is this planet in the Milky way, which is a galaxy within the universe. And what the fuck is the universe in? I, Jen, like, okay, this is so funny because when I was home in Ohio, my dad likes to watch like random documentary stuff on like sci-fi, whatever. And there was a 
documentary about space and how the Hubble found this picture, like took a picture and as they 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 refined it or whatever it weren't it wasn't stars they were galaxies like galaxies yeah. upon gal like billions and yeah. my mind was fucking blown because we are so small yeah. in like yeah like what is the like yeah yes and <laughs> i'm using large hand gestures <laughs> weird about all of this and my reason for bringing it up is like when we're approaching our life, we think we have to be able to see and define all of these next steps and what things are. Like we are living within a set of rules that have kind of been like put here, whatever they are, like whatever human life is, but like you could basically write any script that, that you wanted. And I like to think, okay, if I can't even comprehend the fact like the universe doesn't fit in something because then that something would have to fit in something, fit in something else. And you just go on and on and on and on forever. So there, there is some fundamental law and reality about our existence that we do not even have the words for. Yeah. Like this blows my mind. I think about it and it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. But what a powerful thing, because if we are to take that concept and apply it to our life, then we could suddenly say anything is possible. Yes. Anything is possible. And we restrict our thinking because we're trying to define everything. This computer is made up the same shit as me, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, however it's formed, it's going to be a computer and I'm going to be a human. And I've got some spirit in me that makes me talk and feel things and wave my hands ridiculously. Um, but that to me, it's just, it's incredible. And I've been thinking about it a lot again lately because to me, that's like, if we can tap into whatever that is, Mm. we, there is so much power at our fingertips to be able to just like create, to like let things unfold in front of us in their magical way. And it gets me all excited. Yes. (laughs) I, I was talking, cause I sort of dug into this topic a little bit around like authenticity Mm-hmm. And like, what is that word? And we hear it so much. And like, mm-hmm. why, like, what does it even mean? And also the constraints that like, why is it so hard for all of us to live authentically? And I think a lot of it comes into play where we do have so many of these external rules of wherever those came from, like smashing us into the ground of stay in your lane. Right. And when we can start eliminating like, or maybe not even eliminating, but stop, like start blocking out those external things. Yeah. That's when we can tap into that true power right. and create what it is that actually feels true and authentic right. to our own definition. Right. And I keep saying like, we freaking need that in today's world. Yeah. We need people to bring that out and to express their creativity because we just need it. <laughs> yeah, we do need it. And it feels so much better when you can start doing that. But we have so many things in our life on a regular basis. I mean, thousands of times a day that are telling us how we're supposed to live and what is expected of us and how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to make our money and what it means if you have money and what it means if you don't have money. And it's like you, we've been shut off entirely from just feeling our way through mm-hmm. life. We have been taught to think our way through life. And it does not work. It does not work that way. If I thought my way through skiing, 
I never would have been a skier. Mm -hmm. Like I, cause you'd think yourself into a freaking hole in the ground and then never come out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where like reconnecting to that power of feeling your way through life and like pausing to breathe every now and again and like create space for things to grow it's like, I think sometimes, especially for ambitious people, people that want to do more, be better, achieve more, have more happiness. Like if you're focused on personal development, we can sometimes bury ourselves in reading and learning and constant. It's like, I actually am like forcing myself to go through an information detox because I'm like, Jen, you do not need any more information you need to chill out and like breathe and recognize that just by sitting and breathing, you are allowing things to come into your life that you couldn't force into your life. No. And that's like, that's been huge. Yeah. I've, I've had the same experience cause I'm a podcast junkie. And so yeah. I will listen to all the podcasts and read all the books and yeah, do the same thing where you're like, wait a minute, what do I feel? How do I feel about this? Like, do I need to believe you start like kind of believing everyone else's beliefs and you don't take a second to, to, and you know, you kind of get, I think in our work too, with like our, not our like day job, but our other work, this kind of work, it sometimes gets hard to be creative because you're constantly listening to everyone else's thoughts. Yeah. And it starts making you doubt what you're adding to the world. But here's the reality. All of the truth that we speak has already been spoken by someone else thousands of years ago. Like this is the, the human journey is to have these conversations, to discuss this, to explore it, to explore the limitations. Like I'm convinced like our souls and spirits are connected to something beyond here. And this is like a little game. They're like, let's just put the spirit in these little characters called humans and like put all these rules around them. And let's just like, watch what happens. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh, look at them. They're like imploding. Like it's like, it's reality television. Totally. For the spirit world. It's just like planet earth. Look at these crazy people like torturing themselves over arbitrary shit and rules and labels that really truly mean nothing. Yeah. It's hilarious to me when I think of it in that, in that scale, like just some giant science experiment, like a little ant farm. You're like, what happens when I put this obstacle in that person's way? And you're like, huh, I wonder what's different with that ant compared to that ant, because that ant is doing great and thriving and just ended up building their whole other colony and used the shade from this rock that we put in front of it to like grow plants and food and eat. And this other one, just stood there beating their head against the rock, trying to get through it. And now they're shriveling away and dying. It's like, that is literally what is happening and how we choose to react to those obstacles when they land in our path is going to be the difference to whether or not we're thriving and happy in life or miserable. Yeah. And I think then this all, it all comes back to that expectation thought where if there is an obstacle that then is put in your path, do you want to be the ant that's beating your head against the rock or do you want to build the colony from it? And it's all our choice. Yeah. And it's all about removing those limiting beliefs that we have saying that it's okay to rewrite our story and that there doesn't have to be this X, Y, and Z ending Yeah. and learning how to just navigate through life with, well, I can figure this out, which comes back to this whole self-trust piece. Yeah. So 
it all freaking, it blows my mind because it, it does, <laughs> it does come back to the individual yeah. and it, literally people, it's like, it is up to you. And I know there's circumstances that might vary that. Yeah. But in the end you have control over how you react. Yeah. And I do always want to be sensitive when I say stuff like this because, well, first of all, I'm I'm a privileged person. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a family that was comfortable, that was able to support me in in the endeavors that I wanted to pursue. There is a lot of privilege in my life, but I have also had a lot of hard times. I have had a lot of obstacles that were put in front of me in pursuit of my really big dreams. And I always had a choice in those moments and you're going to feel like crap. I remember, I mean, understandably I was down in the dumps after my dad died. Um, but like when I retired from skiing and I still had, I still managed to make money and I still had a house and I still had a great lifestyle. I still lived in a wonderful place and you know, people would, not in a bad way, but they would say things like, well, your life is so great. Mm -hmm. And in that time I was like, you know what? Maybe there is stuff to be grateful, but right now I just want to feel fucking miserable. Yeah. And I think that there is a balance to strike there. Like it's okay to get really pissed off that the rock landed in front of your little path and you can't get on the other side of it right now. And you can pout for a little bit, but don't pout for too long. Yeah pout long enough to get the pout out and be like, this is fucking bullshit. And then be like, all right, well, this is what it is. And so do I want to make my situation better? Or do I want to make my situation worse? Yeah. And that is the piece. You always have the choice to make your situation better or worse, depending on how you move forward. So that's not to say there's never going to be suffering again. And you're never going to have heartbreak. You're never going to experience loss. Cause you will, that is the, that is life. Mm-hmm. But to win at life is to, as much as you possibly can make the choice of improving and step into the positive light when things are going wrong, when things are trying to drag you down. Yeah. And I think this is a good point to bring up too. I've heard this so much in my life, especially as a privileged person where someone will say the same thing. Well, your life is so great. Or think about all of the other people who have it worse off than you. Yeah. I think it is important to remember there's so much suffering in today's yes. world and how we can make a difference in, in lessening that. But at the same time, our struggles are no less mm-hmm. than someone else's struggles. Mm-hmm. We all feel, we all go through pain, no matter what that is, it is okay. And it is valid and it's necessary yeah. to go through that period yeah. of sadness, of anger, of yeah. whatever that emotion is and know that like, that's not wrong and that's not bad yeah. and that you're not a bad person because someone else is struggling more than you. Like right. feel it yeah, and, and, and be okay. Like it's yeah. okay. It is. And then, and don't make yourself feel guilty about the fact that you're feeling it. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I think people like us. Right. Cause we know do. I can be so aware of everything I have to be grateful for, but sometimes I'm still going to get angry if things don't quite go the way that I want or yeah. someone treats me like crap or whatever happens. Like, it's frustrating. Yeah. And it's okay to be frustrated and it's okay to feel bad and then figure out if you can make it better. Right. And I, I need to figure, I need to remember who said this cause I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, but I can't express in like my own practice of this, how important it is to let whatever feeling or emotion is happening out. Yeah. Because otherwise it will build up and build up and build up and it will just explode in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And so if you can notice I'm angry right now, punch a couple of pillows. Yeah. 
I've thrown my neck out doing this on accident. (laughs) Let it pulse through your body, get it out. And then say what you said. Yeah. How can I move forward from this and remove those limiting beliefs? Yeah. And, and move forward. So I think I want to, I want to, there's so many things I want to bring up also the inner critic because this is something I haven't really dug much into. And I feel like she's probably shown up a lot in your life in the past and probably recently. I know mine has in starting this whole new endeavor of how dare you think you can start your own business? Like, who do you think you are? Right. Um, how let's, let's kind of look at this. How is, how has she played a role in creating these expectations for yourself where, you know, you think, does that make like, how yeah. has she created those expecta- expectations? Cause I feel like the inner critic is the one who is trying to plan your life step by step. Right. And what, how have you learned to combat that voice and move forward? Yeah. And I think the inner critic and the ego are kind of <laughs> like hand in hand intertwined <laughs> or one in the same or hand in hand. I mean, they're very, very closely connected. Um, so yeah, the inner critic has, has, she's been with me for a very long time. Um, and why don't we first think of like the first time that I was aware of, or can remember experiencing an inner critic. Um, and I think it was probably in middle school, was probably when it, well, maybe it was, no, it was probably before that. Actually, it was definitely before that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, she's been there forever. Uh, and then the more, probably the more clear my personal voice becomes then the stronger her personal voice becomes because this like battling for survival. So she's going to keep getting bigger and louder and stronger as you get bigger and louder and stronger. Um, But, and the funny part about pro athletes is that a lot of us have really strong inner critics that drive us to achieving great things. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Without my inner critic, I would not be a world champion. I wouldn't have five X games medals. I wouldn't have won every contest there is to win. Like wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have come back from eight knee surgeries to go on to, to continue competing and striving towards those goals I had set my set for myself. So the inner critic, um, was a powerful tool in many ways, but an unsustainable one, because the reason that I was chasing all of these things was because I wanted to feel, uh, a piece. I wanted to feel content. I wanted to feel fulfilled. I wanted to feel, um, valuable, And so it pushed me to achieve these things to base my worth on achievement instead of looking inward to find that value. Mm. And I still do that now and it's shifted. I'm like, oh, I found this like new way to contribute to the world and it's my purpose and it's my why and I want to help these people do these things. But I'm still like... The inner critic is like, well, how big are you going to do? How many people are you going to impact? Whose lives are you going to change? And like, that's the same thing. It's just kind of shifting. So it's definitely an important thing to become aware of. Um, And the inner critic is there for, for every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. So that piece for me, it's easy to, to kind of be like, oh, well, that's just striving. Like 
my drive to be better. Um, but my inner critic, when it's talking about my body is probably the one where I've started to tune in more and, and remember most early interactions with that person criticizing my body. Mm. Um, and you know, criticizing it for being, having too much body fat to be considered an athlete. You know, I shared about this on Instagram a little while ago, you know, athletic is not a body type. Mm -hmm. I know people that are naturally thin that have a really hard time putting on muscle and, uh, are fantastic athletes Mm -hmm. and people like myself that are not ever, I'm not going to have these like clearly defined ripped muscles unless I were to like really restrict my eating, which I'm not going to do because I just, I don't, I don't think that's right. (laughs) Um, And like over exercising, like my body doesn't want to be that way. My body wants to be the way it is. And it has allowed me to do pretty amazing physical feats. So how is deeming my body fat percentage related to my athleticism at all? And it's not. Right. Um, But there's always that voice. And right now I'm dealing with it. And it's funny because I've started to treat my inner, inner critic as if, she was a friend and I'm like, if I had a friend in my life that was saying the things that my inner critic says to me, they would no longer be in my life. Right. But my inner critic is inside of me and I cannot like rip it out. So I have two options. I can listen to it and let it make me feel like crap or I can just let her speak her thing and kind of ignore her. And so that's where I'm trying to be now. It's like, okay, like say your spiel and whatever. Okay, cool. And then I'm like, you know what, Jen, you had knee surgery six weeks ago. You haven't been able to exercise for a while. You're not in the greatest shape you've ever been in but you can get in good shape again. Like this Mm -hmm. is not an indication of what is going to be a permanent state for you. You don't let, you don't need to let this be your permanent state or become your permanent state. As long as you are aware of it and you're checking in and like, okay, inner critic, thanks. I know. Like, I don't feel the best right now, but it's going to get better. I just had knee surgery. It's like, you have to like explain it to them. It's like a (laughs) a child. Yes, totally. They're not, the inner critic's not fully developed in their, in their thoughts. Very judgmental. Yes. I have definitely a couple of thoughts. I, I always wonder, cause you say she definitely, and I look at my life too. Like my inner critic played a big role in getting to where I am today. But at the same time, I think there's ways of moving forward where we can hear her, like you said, and not need to rely on her to make these big changes in our life or like to be yeah this person that is so accomplished. Right. Because the inner critic is going to be spewing fears and spewing things about you that yeah. you have a hard time with. Yeah. And if you start believing that you might get to where you want to be, but it's not going to be right. a fun place or a fun journey to experience. Right. So how can we start? I think you mentioned this a little bit of like reshaping, like how can we still use What's a different way of using us? Yeah. Like, I don't, or like, how can we be fueled without letting our inner, like, how can we achieve good things without letting our inner critic 
be the driver of it. Does that make sense? Like it does, you know? Yeah. I actually had a conversation, um, with a friend of mine who's also a pro skier and, um, and she's a model and she's fantastic at both. And she is like in this phase where she doesn't want to jump off 40 foot cliffs anymore, um, while skiing. And she used to feel the need to prove it. And now she's like, I don't feel the need to prove it. But my question is, how do you motivate yourself to do it if you no longer feel the need to prove it? Mm. And my answer was, you might just not do it. If that's not bringing you inherent joy just by going to ski off of a 40-foot cliff, don't do it. (laughs) You want to, like, do cartwheels? Because it's like, that's the fucking, yes. You might not need to do it. You might not need to do it. All of these things, like if you're sitting here saying, well, like, and I did this myself too, because my dad had this thing. He would always say like, Jen, just learn to let it go. Like wherever you are, where, wherever you go, there you are. Like all these Buddhist thoughts and, and me over here, like the constant achiever trying to do more, be more was like, well, but if I don't, if I just let it go and I'm just content where I am, like, how am I ever going to do something great? And it's like, well, why do you want to fucking do something great? Yes. Because you're trying to prove to the world that you matter. Stop trying to prove to the world that you matter. You fucking matter. You're here. End of story. We all fucking matter. We are here. End of fucking story. You don't need it proved to you in any way. The point is to just enjoy being here. That's the point. So find what makes you feel good being a human and do more of it. Like my job. <laughs> I, that's like so much of what I'm talking about too. Like, why do you like to, or not even like, why do you exercise? Yeah. Why do you go to the gym? Yeah. Why do you eat that food? Do yeah. you like it? Yeah. What are you trying to prove? I really liked my chocolate peanut butter talenti I ate the other night. And <laughs> like beautiful, you yeah. know, uh, discover what's, what is your inner critic saying? Why is she saying that? And do you have, like, is that what you have to do in order to achieve, achieve great things? And if the answer is no, yeah. awesome. Right. Now you know, cross it up. Yeah. I think that the, the thing that's, like, standing out the most is, like, we keep coming back to this, like, trying to do great things mm. thing. And that goes back to us trying to define everything. We're trying to define what is great. Like, we can't. What is great is actually beyond us, and it is not for us to judge. It is not for us to decide what is great. Like, listening to what makes you feel good, and of course, in healthy ways, because I'm sure that to someone who does heroin, that feels good Mm. for a short period of time. But, like, we could also say, mountain biking makes me feel really good, but it makes me feel really good when I'm doing it because I feel like going mountain biking today. Mountain biking didn't feel as good to me when I wanted to train for something like, and I'm going through this right now. I'm struggling a little bit because I really like having something to train for because it it gives me that little extra motivation to go out and like, and do something. And I like being fast on my bike and I like being skilled, but it's really like, I just like being, I like feeling strong. I like when my body is strong and I feel efficient. So if I can hold on to that thought as my ambition, Instead of like, oh, I have this race on X day that I need to train for. Like by the time I get to race on X day that I need to train for, I'm not going to want to ride my bike after. Mm. So if I just focus on the process of becoming strong on my bike again and 
and doing hit workouts because I like how that makes my body feel. And then someday waking up and being like, oh, I was going to work out today, but I feel like crap. So I'm not going to work out today. I think that it's important that we never allow something to be our everything. Mm. It's like, you don't have to put all your eggs in the one basket because that's not always going to be serving you. And I think we tend to do that. And then we get like dragged down these like paths. It's like, you chose the goal. You decided this was what you were going to do. And it's not, it's not enjoyable anymore. You have the power to decide not to do it. It doesn't make you a quitter. Yes. I mean, you're quitting, but you're honoring yourself at the same time. So like quit wisely. <laughs> you, can, you can define what the word quit means. Yeah. Just like I define the word failure. Like it doesn't, yeah. ha- it can just be, I just don't like, I like quitting. I just don't right. want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't think we do that enough in today's world or at least, you know, we don't stop and say, huh, do I like this? Right. And maybe we don't even know what we like anymore. So it's like yeah. rediscovering and really being curious and turning off all this external shit yeah. and being like, do I like this? Yeah. And if not, that's okay. Yeah. And I think for, for listeners, if this is a new concept to you, like, well, how do you know if you're quitting or you're just like quitting for the right reason or not quitting for the, you know, whatever. Um, I think starting to get in tune with your body more and like one big sign that you're doing something that is not right for you anymore or not serving you is a tension in your chest. Mm-hmm. And if when you think about waking up before the sun comes up in the morning to get on your bike, um, is it just like, uh, that's going to suck? Or is it like there is a tension and it's starting to cause the wheels to spin in your mind endlessly? Yeah. Because yeah, there's going to be some times when things are hard for you that are difficult and you're going to do them anyway, because it is bringing you closer toward that like end goal for that up leveling of ourselves to be closer to just our core truths and to be able to serve and help others in this world. Um, and sometimes we're going to have to do things that are, that are hard, but not hard in the way that they're like causing tension in the chest. Definitely. I agree. I, something I talked about this specifically for like working out, for example, Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out if this is something you actually want to be doing or something you're kind of forcing yourself to be doing based out of fear. Yeah. And something I've been practicing, and this is kind this is hard. This is a hard habit to get into, but like it becomes really clear once you're practiced it enough, but it's like, I picture myself doing the activity. Mm -hmm. If picturing myself doing the activity still sounds horrible, then I say, okay, what do I need? Do I need a rest day? Do I need to find something else that Mm -hmm. will bring me joy? Or do I just, yeah, I need to scrap all of this together and go to bed. (laughs) But if you're picturing yourself doing the activity and you're like, okay, yeah, that does sound fun. Right. Then that kind of, that has helped me at least have a little bit more clarity of like, no, or okay, I'm just like, oh, you know, kind of tired, but it'll be fine. Yeah. And the same, I think, is true, you know, when you do set a goal, because because why do people set goals to do things like run a marathon or, for mm. example, Park City Point to Point, which is a 75-mile mountain bike race? Like, why are, we, why are we setting those goals for ourselves? And everyone has a different reason to do it. Some people really enjoy running 26.2 miles. Yep. 
Not me. I am not one of those people. However, I did have an opportunity that came up where from the Women's Sports Foundation, they're like, hey, um, would you like to train? We'll have this coach and you can, on behalf of the Women's Sports Foundation, run the New York City Marathon, which Mm. I'm like, I have FOMO to the 19th degree. Like I like (laughs) new experiences and different things. Like I think they're really interesting, but I've had nine knee surgeries. So like I called my knee surgeon and I'm like, what do you think about this idea? And he was like, you know, if it was just one day of running for 26.2 miles, okay. But you have to do all the training to get you there. And all of that work, first of all, if you don't really enjoy running is going to suck. And thirdly, your knee cannot handle that volume, the, the, the training volume to put you in a position to safely run 26.2 miles. So my answer was no. Um, but some people will set that goal because they want to prove something to someone. And I think this goes back to like what we were saying before, like, when is it, is it okay to want to prove things to yourself? Mm. Like if I set a goal to run a marathon, because I'm like, I just want to prove to myself that I can do this. Is that okay? Are we not supposed to be proving things to ourselves? Like, I feel like, I feel like that's more okay Mm. to see, to see what you're made of in some ways. But at the same time, once you've proved it to yourself once, unless you really enjoyed the whole entire process, then you probably shouldn't do it again. Yeah. And I did that to myself with point to point. Like last summer, I should have just not raced. And I was like, you know, I said I was going to do it and so I'm doing it, but I've already done it. And I know that I can do it. And now I'm just doing this to do it. And it was like, I finished the race, but it was like two hours slower than my fastest time. And it was just kind of like silly. It's like, mm, I don't know that I really needed to do that to my body. Yeah. <laughs> I think when I th- hear that question, cause I've thought about this too, I think as a like endurance athlete, it's like my goal for a long time was to prove that I could do it for other people and to show that I'm strong and I mm. can do this. And when I think about the question, like, can I prove this to myself? I think if you're purely trying to prove the fact that like, well, I wonder if you're genuinely curious about mm-hmm. the fact, like, can I do this? Can yeah. my body handle this? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really healthy place to come from. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do it to prove your worthiness yeah. or prove anything that you can choose for yourself, yeah. that if I don't finish this race and I am not a good enough person, mm-hmm. that's, I think the difference between a healthy prove to yourself versus an unhealthy prove to yourself. Yeah. Because that's when it gets messy when you bring your worthiness and all of that into right. the mix or any other kind of like prove to myself right. type of thing. Cause I personally love, uh, really long, hard things Me too. <laughs> for some weird reason. I love it, but I hate it. But like, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I just think it is fascinating to see where your mind goes in those times. Yeah. And sport is so cool because, you know, we we're talking about life and the obstacles that life, um, will just plop in front of you at any time. Um, but sport is kind of like a microcosm of life in many ways. Mm. And I think that that's why I love it so much because you can learn these lessons in these like very short truncated little like sections. And there's like a clear, start and a finish. And, and then you can kind of like dissect it a little bit more. Mm. And in the grand scheme of life, you know, we don't know the end point. 
even when we die, we don't know the end point. Like, I really have no idea what's going to happen after that. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of, I like the learning opportunities that, that come from it. And I think that that's a fair motivation. And if I felt inspired one day, like to hit a 40 foot cliff, because I was like curious about the process that it would take me to get there. Like what would be fascinating about that is, well, what would it take for me to get to the point where hitting a 40, 40 foot cliff was fun? Hmm. Like how much would I need to like add to my base level of ability and how many, 20 foot cliffs will I need to hit until that just becomes like, don't even think about it. And then 30 foot and then, you know, working your way up there. And that's just like a curiosity filled goal. Yeah. But if the goal is just like, I want to have the ski industry value me because I'm hitting a 40 foot cliff, then the answer is like a hundred percent. No. Yeah. For sure. And that comes back to the curiosity piece. I think people are probably like, well, okay, well, what should I do? What should I get curious? Yeah. Under, ask, I ask say, why. Yeah. And then back. ask why again. Yes. And then ask why again. Yeah. It's that question uncovers so much about our behaviors and our actions and our thoughts and basically why, like what we're doing in our day-to-day life, even yeah. if it's why do I wake up on this side of the bed? I don't know. Like figure out your day to day little things because you don't have to, you don't, I think it comes to like, this is a side tangent, but I want to bring this back because it's come up in my mind a few times. I don't think, I think some of us have these really big goals in life. And again, like it comes back to defining what that is. Like what is a goal? What is a dream? I don't think you have to have this start a business and I'll be all like, win a gold medal right. goal to be making these changes or to have value in your life. Yeah. Or to make a difference to the world. Yes. Your purpose might just be being like what, like it can be literally or the person who runs the, the restore down the road yeah. or like works for habitat for humanity, or that's probably not in a very glamorous position. And there's probably not a lot of people like patting their back on a daily basis, but they're connected to an organization that is doing immense good in the world. And it doesn't, I think we, especially now because of social media and how visible these things are, um, you know, we're constantly like, oh, I need to be like building this. Or if no one knows what I'm doing, then it's like not really adding value. And I caught myself on that last night. I was like, Jen, you are focusing on the wrong Mm. things for your business that you're starting to create. Like it doesn't matter how much validation you're getting on Instagram for the thoughts that you have. Like there's people out there that, that want to live a better life and are going to value from your insight. And if you're not making yourself available to them, then it doesn't matter how many little cute posts you write on Instagram. And I love Instagram, but, um, but it's like, that's secondary. Yeah to the contribution. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could just, your purpose could be just getting out of bed and do like, you can find so much purpose in anything that you do and it doesn't have to be defined yeah. a specific way. Yeah. Like you said, I like making my little African violet bloom and be so happy. And that's it's like brought that back on the brink of death. And I like look at it and it makes me so happy. And it's a plant. It's like a little plant. Yeah. Like a gardener. You, literally anything you do in your life. 
Yeah. It, that can be your purpose. And I don't think we need to have this grand end all be all dream to find happiness in the small things or to make goals for ourselves. Yeah. Like it can be so simple. Yeah. To, to tie everything back together with a neat little bow because we've kind of gone all, <laughs> all over <laughs> um, is again, just focus on what makes you feel good. Yes. Ask yourself that today. Like what brings me joy for me? Spending time with my nieces brings me joy, but I wasn't doing a lot of that. And last weekend I carved time out of my day when I got back from a trip and ordinarily I would have been like, I just want to go home because I just need to like, you know, set up for the week ahead or like do some laundry or whatever it was. And I just went and I hung out with my little nieces and then went and visited my mom and just had this day of being with people that were important to me and that bring me joy. And I didn't cross anything off my to-do list but it set me up for the week better than setting myself up for the week. Yeah. Possibly could have. So follow the joy. Done. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, that's, I think the simplest way we can start making small changes in our life Yeah, is by asking that question. What brings me joy? And then why? <laughs> yeah. And how can I incorporate this more? Yeah. Because redefining that and being aware of that can bring the best things. Yeah. And start, it, it can bring also like when you start asking yourself those questions, then the life that maybe you've been seeking in other places starts yeah. to reveal itself. Yeah. And maybe the life that you thought that you wanted, that you've created, but you're not quite feeling like totally fulfilled in the reasons for your lack of fulfillment will also start revealing themselves when you really start tying into like tapping into what truly brings you joy in life. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. That went, that was perfect because we Yay. were like, we have these topics, but I don't know. I like wrote a bunch of stuff down to really look at it at all. So I think cool. This was perfect, Yay. Jen. Yes. Two questions before we end our time. Okay. One: Is there anything else you want to say to everyone listening? And then two: Where can people connect with you? I just slurped through that. Did it matter? I'm no. drinking an iced tea. <laughs> We're just, we're just having a conversation over here. Chit chat. Yeah. Um, gosh, no, I feel like we touched on so many things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just say that wherever you are on your journey, um, thanks for showing up here because it means that you want to start honoring yourself and you are beginning to honor yourself. And that is in itself a huge gift to the world. So thanks for showing up. Um, and then, I mean, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at Jen Hudak and my website is just jenhudak.com. If you feel like reading my blog, (laughs) which is really good. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Thanks. And I know Jen has some really big stuff coming up in the works. So, um, I'm excited for everything you're bringing to the table and I'm so grateful for our friendship and for the crazy way that this life has brought us together. And I just feel so much less alone in my process. So same. I appreciate you right back at you. (laughs) Well, thanks Jen. Thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. 
And until next time, stay radiant.